Hi, and welcome to Forest of the Future, the series where we look into how innovation in FSC can help save our forests. And in this episode also, can it really help us save the world? We all know that forests play a key role in combating climate change and the biodiversity crisis that we're facing. In this series, we explore how innovation, especially within tech tools, but also more broadly, can help us protect our forests and support the mission of FSC, which is to ensure responsible management of all forests worldwide. Today, we are going to talk about climate action and what FSC is doing to become more relevant in the climate agenda. Taking action on climate can be quite difficult because how do we know what we're doing actually has the effect that we're looking for and that we will be able to do enough in time. I asked two of our internal climate action wizards, Pina Gavassi and Asker Olison, to join me online. In more formal titles, Pina is our Climate and Restoration Engagement Director and Asker is our Chief Climate and Ecosystem Services Officer. I asked them to explain to me what FSC is doing how it all connects to the discussions and processes going on at international events like the COP meetings. And what is the COP meetings, by the way? I also asked them point blank, will this be enough? Or is it all too little, too late? Let's hear what they said. Welcome, Pina and Asker. I'm glad to have both of you back and on the same podcast, even though you're in very different places in the world. Pina, you're right now in Peru. And Asker, you are in Denmark, just like I am. But the two of you as a team have a quite exciting event coming up, the COP26. And Pina, could we just start off by reminding me and the audience, what is the COP meetings? Well, this is the high-level negotiation event between governments on climate-related topics. So this is where the governments make decisions connected to in this case, reducing greenhouse gas emissions and also actions connected to climate change mitigation and adaptation. So in this case, the COP happens when parties, which are government representatives, meet to discuss these topics. And at the same time, the civil society, including NGOs, social actors, uh, engage as well on putting their perspective into these negotiations. Okay, so Asker, why is this such an important forum and setting for the world? It's important for several reasons, one of them being that this is where, as Pina said, the governments of the world, or in fact the, the civil servants of the world, meet up to carve out and agree on all of the details of the, in this case, the Paris rulebook. So that is, how do we move the world forward towards climate neutrality by 2050 or as soon thereafter as possible? And, and it's not a series of, let's say, huge and, and charismatic decisions, as we saw with the Paris Agreement. In between those major agreements, these annual negotiations have a lot of technical detail where every country has to agree in a consensus setting of every word in every line of every decision text. And that's just a lot of meetings and a lot of talk and a lot of negotiations, but a lot of things are happening. I think it's important to understand that when you see media coverage of the COP, you often see a mainstream media journalist in front of the venue of the conference center just saying, and this year they've discussed this and this, but not come to any conclusion. Uh, and that's that's a, a bit of a dangerous misunderstanding because the COP is not, as I said, every year producing very ambitious new decisions, and it shouldn't. It's a whole lot of legwork, a whole lot of small incremental consensus decisions 
and that's its strength, but it's also maybe not uh, that headline creating every year, but mm-hmm. important to know. Okay, so it sounds like this year's COP is really trying to figure out how do we actually move forward on the Paris Agreement and actually get the traction into meeting those goals in there that we want to. Is that correctly understood? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what will we be doing at this event, Pina? Because it sounds like there are a lot of different topics that we could potentially dive into. We have three main issues that we want to position here. One is how forests are nature-based solutions against climate change. And if we talk about nature-based solutions, we talk about conservation, we talk about sustainable forest management, and we talk about restoration. So then how we will be tackling the restoration agenda in 2022 and further. And I think the third one, and, and this is something we also working quite a lot on its own climate finance and how we connect better with financial investors, impact investors, and how we leverage also the profile of forests in terms of climate investment in general. Okay, so will we be doing anything on the agenda? Will we have side meetings or anything where people yeah. can actually... We have just received the confirmation of approval of our side event, which will happen in the formal COP agenda. We don't know exactly in in which format, but the side event is focused on nature-based solutions. We are connecting different actors from the forest up to the, let's say, end consumer and civil society actors that are relevant, connected to forests, of course. But we'll be discussing how FSE can deliver current, but can also deliver new tools to support their efforts towards positioning forests as nature-based solutions. Beyond the side event, we still expect to receive confirmations on our participation at the Global Landscapes Forum. This is, the, I would say, the most important event connected to nature-based solutions, forest conservation and restoration during COP26. We expect to be also engaging in two important events. What is Nature for Climate? That's organized by the Nature Conservancy. The other one is the Sustainable Innovation Forum. I would say this is the most important corporate event during COP. So this is where all the big companies and multinationals meet together to discuss actions towards climate change. So we're trying to be at all the important side events and meetings where things are being discussed that's related to nature-based solutions and to forests. Yes, we will. And we are invited also to present uh, at the side event organized by IKEA on climate change and corporate actions. Mm-hmm. And Asker, maybe I can bring you in here again, because what is it that we then bring to the table at these side of meetings? And what are we doing to support the agenda and the topics to be discussed here? I think some of the main headlines from the COP really speaks to us. Ecosystems that markets would uh, expand beyond carbon to ecosystems, that there are a lot of, let's say, discussions around the role of markets, if you see as a market-based certification scheme. And then we have this whole discussion on it, not only governments discussing with governments on what they can commit each other to, but also how do we leverage the private sector. And that's also where FSE is very well placed. In the next couple of years, we have a plan, we have a roadmap for what FSE will deliver that will support these agendas, a roadmap that Pina and I have put together. And it includes, among other 
the revision of the ecosystem service procedures. So hopefully it can even better service some of those needs that will now be articulated in the Paris rulebook to go beyond carbon in the credit market. It includes uh, a financial sector package that we will launch with the marketing toolkits and an engagement approach to engage with the financial sector and help the financial sector invest in sustainable land use. It also contains a lot of work on how to quantify how to get data and how to use modern technologies to quantify the impact on the ecosystems, not only in, in forests where the ecosystem service procedure is applied, but also in, in forests that are certified. So there is a lot happening here around data, around markets, around new types of partners in the financial sector, and much more. It sounds like this roadmap is a new thing. Yeah, we've worked on it this fall. We'll be presenting it at the at the GA on the climate change side event on the Monday. And we'll also share it widely and make sure that can guide in, internally, but also externally, expectations on what FSE can do when. And I think one of the enablers here is that we will be able to, to scale up, let's say, headcount-wise, to have more good colleagues work on these topics, on the engagement side, on the data side, on the revision of the ecosystem service procedure on the sales and marketing and we'll eventually also need to to look into system integrity of the system maybe with the registry and so on so there's a lot of issues and we need more good colleagues to help us build this system and thereby mm. serve the global agenda okay so you covered a lot of topics they're all mm -hmm. wrapped up so let's maybe go through them one by one you mentioned a marketing toolkit for ecosystem services what does that mean what what, what are we doing as pina mentioned the fight against deforestation is also quite a topic on this climate cop and in fact also in the biodiversity COP happening these days. One of the ways to address deforestation is, of course, to value changes, as, as we know. But it has been quite difficult, I think, over the past years to explain to our chain of custody holders and other partners downstream in the value chain what's the benefits for a value chain of a forest manager applying the ecosystem service procedure. Uh, there is a, let's say, a translation from a land-based instrument, which focus on the forest area, into what can then be claimed, what can be told, what can be branded on a product mm -hmm. that comes from that forest, in particular, if it's a, if it's a composite product or a product with, with many different inputs and parts. So what we are doing is we're doing a, a messaging framework and a marketing toolkit that will allow all good colleagues to better help accounts and, and members and anyone else understand what the ecosystem procedure can do for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and not least in these days where let's say integrity is more important than ever before, what can you not say? That you cannot mm. claim that a product with, that's partially constructed from FSE certified wood that this product is carbon neutral or climate neutral or mm -hmm. any other sort of neutral. Uh, that translation, we simply cannot substantiate. So we need to explain what can you say and what can you not say in your storytelling. So that's what the marketing toolkit will do. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's much needed. I was just in a meeting actually just before this interview where one of the conclusions was that a lot of the products that's on the market today within the ecosystem services realm is just a wild west where... A lot of things it are being is. claims that can't actually be backed up. Most of the claims cannot be backed. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned another thing, uh, and we will return to this on, on how can we then make sure that, that some of it can be backed. But one of the other things that you mentioned was a financial sector package. 
What are yes. we trying to create there? We were trying to address a, a need that has been uh, growing in past years. And, and Pina has also been very involved in that with, with some of those green bonds and climate bonds initiatives and a number of other financial sector alliances and initiatives in, in the last couple of years, it seems to have dawned on the global financial sector that managing ecosystems, managing climate risk and what they call transition risk all entails that you have to define one way or the other what is good management, what is basically stewardship of land, including forests. And so a number of these initiatives, among other the, the Climate Bonds Initiative, have mentioned and do link up to FSE certification as one means to show that you do sustainable forest management. But there's much more to it. And we're still seeing in the conversations that I have, and I think also when Pina has with the financial sector, that there is still quite a distance to cover in terms of them understanding what does it mean to invest in land or in ecosystems or even in, in carbon credits or ecosystem service credits from forest ecosystems. So this package will entail not only an, let's say an ex explainer, also mm -hmm. some marketing toolkit for us to better have that conversation, but also an engagement plan for whom to talk to and, and on what, when, which alliances to try to, to take further or start so that we can serve the role being the one that connects the financial sector to our four stewards. Mm -hmm. What is the challenge there? What is it that are they thinking that they are getting more than they are? What is you're saying? There's still a lot of land to cover. What is there? The are, there are many challenges. I think just to pick three from the top. One is that they, this is two different worlds. The global financial sector has just about no, uh, broadly speaking, no insights into to forest management. It's a different language. It's a different mindset compared to the forest stewards that, that we represent. So that's a very overarching one. Another one is that that financial sector is really looking for a, a cash flow, a value and a low risk. And that very simplified way of looking at, at ecosystems means that only timberland has so far been interesting. But now this whole idea of credits or claims as another type of product from a forest that you can invest in comes up and then we see forest we see forest investors some more than others that uh, simply ah can i then buy land and generate credits and then speculate in the markets we would not want to be involved with that but we mm -hmm. would want to be involved with those impact investors and other financial sector institutions that want to invest in the improvement or management of, uh, of forests around the world and this includes restoration mm -hmm. which links to the restoration toolbox we're working with and then and, uh, and Pina will come back to that I'm sure but the third thing maybe linking to the f uh, financial sector that that we need to look into is that financial sector actors have not been very innovative for many years it's the same kind of instruments it's the same kind of tools it's the same services they offer when they do a good new bond they just pull the handle and another one flows out so for this to be integrated we need to construct new financial instruments that put a price on ecosystem services and for stewardship in a wider sense. And that'll be tremendously interesting, but also quite complicated and challenging. 
And I'm going to try to unpack that. And, and Pina, I will return to you in a second on restoration. But when you say they just pull the handle and another one flows out, is that because it's solely focused on carbon and you want us to be able to focus on other types of ecosystem service like water management, biodiversity, etc.? Or well, we need to go even further back, a, a step uh -huh. further back, that pulling the handle is that some... As a very senior financial sector guy told me a couple of weeks ago that when they do corporate bonds, they basically sell the same product again and again, and then they maybe uh, call it something different. So there's been no new significant financial products from, let's say, in the bonds market, perhaps since 25 years. And they all just gotten used to and grown up with producing this very same product. It's like fossil cars. But now someone's asking them to try to think in terms of electric vehicles. There's an analogy here that they need to completely rethink the basics of the products they've been offering. And that I think is is more mind blowing to to many of them that they have so far realized. Mm -hmm. Now I think I might be getting it. So <laughs> there's never a guarantee though, you know. Topic as well. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, please do. One of the discussions in the financial sector now it's a potential new product such as uh, biodiversity credit, and I think the issue of biodiversity is becoming more relevant in the financial sector, and it's challenging as well to identify how this product can look like in the future. But another important element that can bring opportunities for us is that. There's also discussions connected to how the financial sector reports on their social and environmental responsibility. And this has been called for years the ESG, the Environmental, Social and Governance Indicators. But now they are discussing and it seems that the trend will be on reporting connected to the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. And this is where land use and climate gets more prominent. And that can bring opportunities for us to connect, for example, the ecosystem services procedure to their reporting actions. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Asker, you want to come in again? Yeah, just to add that uh, I think these are even more relevant perspectives uh, to what I just brought up before. Overall, there is quite a, a challenge ahead for the financial sector. But to come back to the financial sector package that we'll be working on that, that's part of the, uh, the roadmap, then obviously these are all a lot of high-level discussions and, and fundamental issues in creating a market. But there will also be a reality where our FSC colleagues in the network will be called up by a financial sector actor saying, uh, can I please get my investment certified? Mm -hmm. And we need to be ready to deal with that demand. So that's also the very tangible hands-on side of the marketing toolkit for using services for the financial sector to be able to, to respond to that while all these other uh, complicated high-level uh, discussions are going on and while they haven't found their tangible outcome yet. And this is something that's already happening, I can tell exactly. us, as an employee in a national office too, that companies are already calling and expect for us to be able to help them out. Yeah. Um, what about the carbon market then? Because right now, as FSC, we're not really facilitating the sale of, of claims and ownerships. Are we looking into moving into that market or 
Is that in the roadmap too? Well, it's in the roadmap, yes. But let me mm -hmm. be quite clear in saying that FEC will not be a carbon credit issuer and we will not be trading carbon credits and we would most certainly not have to manage a registry of carbon credits circulating in global markets. But we will associate ourselves with these markets uh, and try to build a high integrity position, what we've previously uh, mentioned as a carbon plus market. And that means we are liaising with and, and working with already now Vera and Gold Standard, as, as most of you know, and also South Pole on how to offer a integrated product into the carbon market, which would combine the FM certification, a high integrity carbon standard of one of those reputable schemes that we just mentioned, and most likely also the ecosystem service procedure to cover the range of ecosystems while the price on which the, the credit is is based would be carbon. It would be carbon that would be the, the main selling point, but we would demand, let's say, or put conditionalities on the use of our label and logo that credits that would want to be tagged with FSE would need to consider and quantify and manage sustainably all the other ecosystem services that the ecosystem service procedure allows for. So it's a bit of a technical question. A technical mm -hmm. answer saying no, we will not be in carbon markets, but we will associate ourselves with the best in the market. Mm -hmm. So, well, basically, it answers my question whether it's something that we will be putting on the market. And this actually brings me to another area that I find really interesting, Pina, the restoration part. Because last time we talked, you you were looking into how can FSC get involved with restoration. That was in episode 12 in November last year. Is there an update there on our intention to look into restoration? What has happened since we talked last? I would like to connect our restoration opportunities to the issue of deforestation. In the past, I think it has been very challenging for us to position ourselves as a tool to, that avoid deforestation, mainly because the biggest deforestation causes are not connected to forestry itself, but to other land use activities, such as agriculture. But if we talk about the role that we can play to deliver restoration impacts, then it's not nice to say, but the, the deforestation rates that have happened and forest degradation in many places of the world are places that would need FSC to be part of these solutions. So mm -hmm. this is why we are creating what we call the Restoration Toolbox. And this is an initiative that has been already, from the conversation we, we had some months ago, now we have revised concept paper with the actions, activities, objectives, and goals that will be the uh, basis of a work plan on the restoration toolbox for 2022 and further, because mm -hmm. this is a long-term initiative that will deliver, first of all, tools that can connect restoration projects with FSC using our current framework and our current tools. And the ecosystem mm -hmm. services procedure will be one of those tools. But at the later stage, we also aim to deliver and co-create new solutions for restoration that can speed up and also scale up our, let's say, role in restoration, for example, at the landscape levels. As restoration is a landscape level topic, I mean, you cannot do I mean, full restoration in just a forest management unit. So if mm -hmm. we want to leverage our role on restoration, we need to connect that with a landscape approach in the future. 
that sounds like something where we're actually broadening the scope of FSC quite dramatically from just being about certifying existing forest areas to actually helping contribute to bring new forest areas to the world. That is true. And I think this is something we have been discussing quite a lot with Asger on how FSC can become the not just the forest management certifier and the chain of custody certifier, but also the certifier of nature-based solutions that can deliver new products in the market. What's at stake here is really that we need to take a landscape approach, as everybody else is doing. On one hand, you would have landscapes without trees, where there would naturally be trees, or trees could grow back. Afforestation, reforestation, rewilding, restoration, there's many names for that. You have standing forest we need to improve. And then we've had for a long time, in particular in COPS and in the climate space, mm -hmm. you've had avoided deforestation as being an activity as well, which is basically making sure that no one cuts down a forest, mm -hmm. degrade it. And I think that in the long term, we would need to cover all of mm -hmm. the range of this. And to some extent, we already do, but maybe not in a way that's compatible with the markets that we're looking into, in particular, ecosystem service markets being the extension of carbon markets. So from my point of view, it's just as much a question of adapting, revising, maybe changing wording here and there. And then some of those new markets that we're looking into will understand the full range of what it is we can do. Yeah. And then is this why the ecosystem services procedure has to be revised? Why is that that we're taking that on? Well, it exactly relates back to all that we just discussed. Um, mm -hmm. But why do we need to revise it? We need to revise it, first of all, because the revision cycle is about time. It came out three years ago, so, so we would need to do at least a review. But then we've also gotten some good motions that will be coming up for the DA that very much align with what it is we've been looking into in any case. And that is that the ecosystem service procedure would need to support us or work mm -hmm. with us in associating with carbon markets. We might need to have some more specific elements and text in there to do exactly those restoration claims that would come from a restoration toolbox. We would also want to expand so that the ecosystem service procedure could be used and applied on lands where a forest management certification doesn't necessarily make sense uh, from a business case point of view. Can we somehow make the case possible where the ecosystem service procedure is uh, applied on its own as a standalone, mm -hmm. I hope so. And then a number of other issues. Do we need a hook in the ecosystem service procedure for a registry is uh, some sort of keeping track of? Do we need a hook in there to make data sharing mandatory? Do we need a hook in there to govern how the ecosystem service procedure is used alongside, let's say, uh, some of the carbon credit standards I mentioned before? And a number of other issues. Do we need to be clearer on whether a ecosystem service claim as an outcome from applying the procedure can be sold or not be sold what can it be used for do we want to add in conditionalities for what it can be used for so mm -hmm. that we could only sell uh, ecosystem service claims to companies that has done their own share of mitigation has a sustainable development plan and reports on their impacts or other sorts of conditionalities. So there's a number of things in the air, uh, and I think mm -hmm. it'd be a very interesting and potentially uh, quite important process for FSC 
that we get this ecosystem service revision. Yeah, especially that last part I found very interesting, simply making sure that we don't contribute to greenwashing through ecosystem services because if companies just keep doing what they've always done and don't reduce their own footprint, then exactly. it's, it we wouldn't would not be want to be associated with that. So uh, and I see, I'm seeing that trend in general in, in the voluntary market as well, that there are more and more cases of standards and schemes that want to be a bit picky on the side of, of who can use their, their standard or their scheme or their methodology. And basically, it's to some extent the Apple case, again, as mm-hmm. Apple did with iPhones, you need to create a product uh, that is a bit exclusive to maintain the high integrity. And I think one of the ways to do that is to say, we demand from our mm-hmm. buyers that they do this or that before they can rely on and build value based on our logo and our uh, principles and our system. So I'd like to look into that. I think it's also something that a lot of people will have a lot of interest into. So actually, I have a couple of questions on on that as well, because now you've defined some areas and you've defined a roadmap, but are we doing consultation on the roadmap or how are we making sure that, that we're aligned with what our members are asking for? There will be a consultation over winter, or let me say, more of a, we share the roadmap and take whatever input we get. We'll try to be in many places at the same time and and explain and take input in many settings and not just one global town hall. So that's Mm -hmm. the internal side of things as concerns the members. We have this GA side event coming up. Mm -hmm. And when you say GA, you mean... General Assembly. General Assembly, yes, <laughs> yeah. very much. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly. But then there is also, let's say, the external part of the more on the engagement side. And, and mm-hmm. I think that would be interesting um, also to put a few words on that, Pina. Mm-hmm. Yes, one of the uh, activities that we will be doing together in the coming months and also in 2022 is a set of positioning papers on climate and restoration main topics because I think that not only our membership but also our partners and the external world need to understand what we talk about when we talk about climate impacts and what will be the role of FSC on that and also connected to restoration as this can this can mean very different things for different people and we need to make sure that what we're talking about is completely aligned to our mission, but mm-hmm. also that our members, our network, and our external partners understand uh, what are the priorities connected to those topics. So I think that the roadmap and the positioning papers will be delivering that. Mm-hmm. Those positioning papers sounds like they're something that will be publicly available. Yes, that's the idea that we share these positioning papers to the broader world, and and that becomes like the basis for our uh, climate-related work in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then okay. there'll also be a positioning paper on biodiversity, I should say. And then the idea is simply to have this package or sequence where you have position papers, where do we stand, messaging framework, how do we articulate that, marketing toolkits, how do we then turn that into something concrete and tangible in a sales process, and then some products uh, in the ecosystem uh, service procedure, dual tech carbon credits, COC, FM, and so on and so forth, which we then sell using all of the above. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a bit harsh on the two of you because to me, some of this sounds a bit like a desk exercise defining FSC's position on what we mean on climate change and biodiversity, etc. 
Will this bring any change to the ground, to the actual hopefully, forest? Hopefully, yes. I think that's yeah, very much the ambition. And I like the fact that you asked because everything we do should do that in the end, should deliver a change on the ground. I think what I hear back and what I've heard back in the last half year when after coming to FSC is that there is very much a need for this. We've prepared ourselves for many years, but we're not ready. And one mm. of the reasons why we're not ready is that we don't all know how to put FSC's product, FSC's position into something tangible in the market. We need guidance. And this is ultimately to do that. It's ultimately this process to deliver guidance at various levels. So tools that can be printed out, kept on screen, trained, whatever, so that national offices, everybody else in, in FSC has a source to go back to and say, what can I say on this topic on which I still don't have the full overview because it's new. Then some of us that's been working with it for many years produce this to help you find out what you can say, what you can sell, to whom, in what way, and so on and so forth. So hopefully these guidances will help in the everyday work. And if not, then please tell me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but how will that lead to more more forests getting ecosystem services certified? Will it really change? And will we be able to do enough in time? Can we truly address climate change through these initiatives? That's a very big question that goes <laughs> far beyond our reach and, and far beyond the powers that Pina and I have. But yes, it will. We're a piece in the puzzle. And then one of the things that, that I would like to highlight here is that high integrity offsetting and pricing ecosystem services, that's two things that we co are constantly asked for by companies, investors, that someone needs to go out there and put some rigor to it, to put some integrity to these markets, to make it inclusive, transparent, and solid, what's happening out there. So we avoid greenwashing. So we mm -hmm. avoid empty claims. So we avoid activities on the ground that make more damage than good, but still claim a carbon price. And that's what we can do. We cannot solve the whole issue. We cannot address climate change on ourselves, but we can make sure that, that we basically certify climate action in the forest sector. And, and that's what this aims to do. How we get more forest land under ecosystem service procedure? To me, this is really a question of, let's say, the delivery model and building and helping colleagues all over the world to sell it. My impression is that it's been difficult to sell the ecosystem service procedure for a number of reasons, including that the market has not been that ready, it is now, but also including that uh, many national offices have, have very little time to allocate to, to selling this, to learning what ecosystem service procedures are. So we need an upfront investment on that, and that's what we're trying to do this way around. And then lastly, I would also say that one of the issues is that the ecosystem service procedure as it is right now, there is no income from it. Mm -hmm. We don't earn any money for uh, unless it's on top of an FM certification. So uh, if you have your FM certification and then you want to do an ecosystem service procedure, there is no income for the national office or anyone else. And we need to get that right. And that links back to the ecosystem service procedure revision also. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be an incentive. And one yeah. of the reasons that I'm asking you guys about these questions is, of course, also the fact that we have a, a motion coming up at the General Assembly where 
members are calling for FSC to take immediate action and launch services connected to to climate. Pina, yeah. would you say that what we're doing here is? Are you, do you think yeah. it will cover what it is that our members are asking us for? Well, said I think we cannot solve all the problems of I mean connected to climate change from one day to the other. But on the other hand. Taking the ecosystem services procedure as an example, we are the only certification standard that offers something like that, not only connected to forestry, but to other land use activities. And this is a very new product, even for, for investors, for government and for stakeholders. And I think this is part of the challenges we have faced to be able to sell that. But on the mm -hmm. other hand, I think it opens the opportunities to extend FSE certification to conservation and restoration. And that brings an, an the opportunity for us to sell a completely new product connected, for example, to the restoration toolbox. Mm -hmm. And again, if I put a concrete example, if we take the green bond principles, which is the one of the biggest financial investment platforms connected to climate that has more than 600 partners and investors in, inside it. They have just uh, published their reporting template for sustainability standards in the summer. And in every certification standard approach by them is reporting the scope of their actions connected to social and environmental benefits. And this is where the ecosystem services procedure is featured for the first time, for example. And we are the only certification standards that can tick that box connected to extending our certification to ecosystem services and not only to, let's say, a timber or fiber value chain, but also mm -hmm. connected to an ecosystem services market in the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a very important point, that this is a, a, a niche product and we've been ahead of the market in developing it and demand is building up, things are changing. So I'm sure there mm -hmm. will be an increase just by that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also important to underline that when we talk about going out there and selling it, it's not at the aim of making more money to FSC and making revenue to the FSC organization, but it's about getting more forest protected, conserved, restored, or just managed sustainably. Well, it's but a I'd... question of delivering on the mission as well, yeah. getting the value of forests right. And that includes all ecosystems, not only the provision of, of goods and products. Mm -hmm. But Pina, you actually didn't really answer my question on the call from our membership on immediate climate action. Do you think that yeah. what we're doing here in the roadmap and the position papers and the actions we have underway, do you think that will address the call from our membership? I think so. I mean, we've got, together with Asker, very interesting conversations with the members uh, on this motion in particular. And I think what we agree on is that we can become the solution provider to mm -hmm. some of these problems. Uh, and I think the roadmap responds to that call in the sense that if we want to be the provider of solutions for these problems, we need to develop and deliver new products. And this is exactly what we're doing. So if we then zoom out, I'd like to actually ask the, the both of you a couple of questions before we wrap up. If you were to look at this roadmap and all the actions that you're taking, what is your baby inside of that roadmap? What is it that you're most fond of? 
we could start with you, Pina. For me, it will be the restoration toolbox, certainly, because I think it opens a broad range of opportunities to be more relevant and extend good forest management, not only for timber purposes, but also for conservation and restoration at the same time. And, and I think that also brings the one topic that we have been discussing. We need to talk about outcomes, not only connected to products, but to what I call projects, which are, I mean, areas that even maybe do not deliver any tangible product, but will be delivering climate benefits in the future, so, such as biodiversity, water, soil conservation. So in that sense, I think this is the most challenging, but also exciting initiative that I will be working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really exciting because I guess it's also a way of actually realizing what's in our global strategy, which is that we want to have the world realize the true value of forest and that inside the true value of forest, that might not just be connected to products. That can also be a lot of other things that forests deliver to us and that we want the world to be able to see that. Asker, what is your baby? Oh, there are many babies in there. <laughs> I'd say one of them would be this whole work on on technology and and, and platforms. If we could take FSC to the next level and and rely on some of those emerging technologies out there to basically answer some of the basic questions on what's the ecosystem service impact of certification? What's the impact of FSC's world? But also, Mm -hmm. uh, how can you, in an easy, straightforward way, measure the impact, the positive impacts on ecosystems from good stewardship, the whole basis mm-hmm. for the ecosystem search procedure. If we could do that, that would be a major leap forward. <clears throat> so that one is is one of my babies. And if I may, then another one is the, the what we call the financial sector package, but all that's within that, whether we like it or not, then, then private finance to some extent rule the world. And we need to make them do that in a in a sensible, sustainable, responsible manner, which has not always been the case. So it's maybe not a question of a lot of new forests being certified or using FSE, but to make sure that the money that are out there make less damage on forests and increasingly incentivize and demand of whomever they finance that they manage their ecosystems and their people and the stakeholders and the landscape in a sustainable way. We need mm-hmm. to get that right. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Very agreed. And also withhold our brand, I guess, to the ones that are actually getting it right and not yeah. just jumping up where in Danish we say the fence is the lowest. Yeah, exactly. So, Pina, I'm going to do one last question and then I'm going to let you go. But if we got all of this right, if we managed to implement all of this, how would we be able to tell two years from now? Uh, we got it all right. My desire is that we will be able to say that we have developed and co-created together with our partners new solutions and tools connected to climate change and, and that we are now able also to deliver verified climate impact and help our certificate holders to communicate that with FSC certification they are creating this positive impact in their forests but also connected to the complete value chain because our our certificate holders at the forest management are the ones that are using a lot of our tools, but there is a huge demand from companies very far from the forest and companies that are committed to FSC certification in terms of their supplies to be able to say that FSC is really helping them uh, to deliver those impacts. 
Mm -hmm. And I guess this ties back to what Asker is talking about on data, that if we want to be able to verify those claims, we really need a, a data structure and a data flow set up. And I think this is something that I also would like to say, connected mm -hmm. to FSC, that we are the main data provider connected to climate impact, because there are lots of methodologies to account these impacts, to account carbon, to even account biodiversity and other ecosystem services. But the data we can get from certified forests, I think we are in a unique position uh, to contribute to providing mm -hmm. this type of data and, and, and therefore demonstrate these impacts in a credible way. I am absolutely 100% in agreement. Asker, what about you? Last question. If we got this right, what would success look like for you? I think success could look like this would be tremendous if every FSC country had been able to establish and, and successfully use the ecosystem service procedure at least once. So we could bring this procedure to the world, basically. That would be amazing. And from there on, it would only be upwards. We need to have more and more forests be able to basically monetize on and get an advantage from managing ecosystems, all inclusive, social, recreational, water, soil, biodiversity, carbon. So if everyone would be able to get at least one ecosystem service claim out, then that would be a fantastic achievement, I think. Mm -hmm. And how many do we have today? What is the scale that you're talking about here? Currently, we are on, I think, 34 or 36, something around that. Uh, a lot underway. So I'd like to see that we will be beyond 1,000 in, in one and a half year. That would be great. I'll call I you think. back up and ask you whether it ma you managed to get to that point. Yeah. It would be great. <laughs> okay, well, thank, thank you both of you for, for humoring me and, and letting me know a bit more about that, that COP meeting, what it actually is and how we fit into it, but even more so into your roadmap and how we're actually trying to bring change to the ground and address climate change from an FSC perspective. Thank you both. Thank you, Loa. Good question. Loa. Thank you. That's it. I now feel more assured that we will actually be able to get this right in time and deliver meaningful action and impact on climate. The tools are there. We did the innovation. We created the procedure to certify ecosystem services when nobody else did. And by the way, still hasn't. Now it's time to scale and broaden. So let's roll up our sleeves and get going. And I assure you that we will be returning to this topic and follow the work of Pina and Aska as they work to implement their roadmap. We will also be hearing from the members proposing the motions for immediate climate action for FSC and to improve the ecosystem services and scale it. And I will make sure to ask them whether they are assured too or whether they want FSC to do more and do it sooner. More on that in one of our special General Assembly episodes coming up. If you want to get in touch with us or follow our work, I strongly encourage you to join our LinkedIn group. It's called FSC Digital Innovations and it's open for everyone. You can also always get in touch with me on digitalinput at fsc.org. I am Loa Worm and this was Forest for the Future.